want to warmly welcome you this morning and uh, good to have you as part of our fellowship. We uh, had a gathering yesterday, as been mentioned a couple of times, and we, we appointed a new treasurer, which was good, and uh, we've uh, got, uh, we've signed up to work for the Persecuted Church, which is going to be really exciting as we kind of move forward into that. And uh, as we think about the, the, the life of the church going forward, you'll know if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been exploring the idea of gifts and callings and the importance of exercising our gifts within the body of Christ and, and the essential nature of the contribution that each one of us has to make. And uh, we've been looking at that for the last six weeks. And this morning, I'm going to finish that series looking at the whole idea of reward. And uh, next week, we're, got a, we're, we're going to have a break for a couple of weeks from series. Then we're going to look at the calling to work and what it means to work and what it means to engage with the world outside of church. Uh, and over the next two weeks, so next week, we've decided to reintroduce Harvest. Uh, and uh, so... Um, and. Uh, yeah, we haven't. We, we used to celebrate it a long time ago, and then I kind of killed it off. Uh, but we, uh, Anthony's persuaded me to resurrect it. So we're going to have a harvest service just because we think it's really good to be thankful to God for what we have. And maybe in these times, it's important to be doing that. So next week's going to be a special harvest service. Then the week after that, we're going to have a baptism. If you're interested in being baptized, do speak to me afterwards. Uh, still able to do that. And again, we're going to do that in the morning service, and then we're going to start a new series looking at what it means to be called by God to the roles that you do outside of church. And that's whether you're a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer or a student or, or whether you're a homemaker or a parent. But what's the calling of God? What does that look like in terms of your role outside of this place? But this morning I want to finish with the, looking at the area of gifts and ministries which pertains to the whole realm of our callings within the church this week, I, I managed to get a, a few days off, and uh, I, I headed off to Iona. I haven't been on Iona for a very long time, and uh, it was great to be back on, on the island. Unfortunately, I chose the worst week possible because apparently Hurricane Nigel had decided to visit the west coast of Scotland, in fact, the west coast of England as well, and, and brought this horrific weather. All the ferries got cancelled. They got stuck in Iona. It was great. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was praying that the winds would blow harder. And, uh, and if you've ever been to Iona, you'll know that in, in the cathedral there, they hold services. And it's still a, a, a cathedral that has a Christian presence. And, and they run the services at nine in the morning and nine at night. And, and the first night I was there, I, I think they run it at nine at night just to check who's hardcore, you know, who's going to go. And, uh, and I, I decided I was going to go to this nine o'clock evening service. And, and I was in a very warm, comfortable little pod while these gales were coming through. And, uh, and the, the rain literally was coming sideways. It was torrential. And I had to get out of my warm pod. 
almost nine o'clock at night, and make my way to the cathedral. And, and the wind was such that I could barely stand up. And uh, I, so I got out of there. I was soaked within 30 seconds. I mean, head to foot. And I thought this weather, and it was dark, and I couldn't see where I was going. And I was splashing in puddles, and my feet were wet. And every bit of me, I could feel the water running down my back and everything. And, uh, and, and it was just horrific. And, uh, and eventually, I got to the cathedral and, and went into the service and entered this magical world and, and just sat there through the service, dripping wet onto the floor. And, and, and I felt a strange, warm glow. And, and I went back and said, well, that was tough. Because my friend asked me, what was that like? I said, well, it was tough getting there, but it was worth it. And I said, that's what pilgrimage is all about. <laughs> it being hard and receiving the reward for the journey, the hard journey to get to that place where God wants you to be. And, and it, it kind of struck me, that's a little bit like gifts and ministries. You know, we are called as the body of Christ to exercise our gifts. And we've seen uh, over the last few weeks that the Spirit of God works in different ways uh, through different people in different ways. And, and we are all different. We, we bring certain different things to the life of the church, but it is the one spirit that works through us. We, we saw that when you become a Christian, the New Testament teaches that you become effectively baptized in the spirit. That's the language that it uses, baptized in the spirit. And the spirit of God starts to work in us. And, and, and we become, we're brought into membership of the body of Christ, and then we become part of that body. We, we have a contribution to make in relation to that body. And there's no system in your physical bodies that you can do without. And, uh, and when any of the systems aren't working, you will start to feel it. The whole body feels it. And it's the same in the life of the church. And so Paul says different people have come to serve in different ways, but it's the one spirit that works in them. And, and he's, he's made us into, uh, as different folks. And we, we've saw over the last few weeks, we've looked at motivational gifts and ministry gifts and manifestation gifts in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. We, we saw in Romans 12 that God has made you a particular type of person with a particular outlook. We don't all respond to things in the same way. And, and God's given us a particular orientation. And we saw that the list of gifts in Romans 12, probably reflective of, of charas, characters, or the grace that God has given us, the grace that you bring to your brothers and sisters. Then we saw in the following week, the idea that God has given us and assigned you a specific role designed for you. We, we see that in Ephesians 4, that every single one of you has a calling. Now, some of you, it will be a, an upfront calling uh, as it ministers to the whole church. But for others of you, it will be a behind-the-scenes calling that just ministers to one person at a time. But Paul says the stuff that's unseen is as important, if not more important, than the stuff that happens up front. This morning, I got a brilliant illustration of this. I, I, uh, just as the service was about to start, I looked over here and realized that Shona, who normally sorts the water for me to drink during my sermons, 
was gone. It wasn't there. And, and so there was no water. And I had to go and get my own water. And suddenly I, I felt the pain of, and you would have felt it as well, of not having any water to drink. Because the person who had that role, who kind of feels a sense of calling to make sure the preacher has water, wasn't there to do it. And that's true across the life of the church. Can I also make a clarification on something I said uh, a few weeks back? Some people have asked me about apostles and prophets, and, and you'll know that uh, the way I interpreted that was I was talking about capital A apostles, the, the 12 apostles, and capital P prophets, the prophets of the Old Testament. However, I do want to clarify, I do believe that there are specific roles that are apostolic and prophetic, that we still do have contemporary prophets, we do still have people who function apostolically, but they don't function with capital A's and capital P's. Uh, but just to clarify that, because some people were, were not sure how sound I was on that question. So, uh, so just to clarify that, that's where I stand. And then we've seen that, that God not only gives us a specific role, but he also gives us a series of supernatural resources to carry out that role. And so we aren't called to do the things that God assigns us to do in our own strength. It's, it's at those points where it's difficult, where it's overwhelming, where, where we have reached the end of our natural resource that we discover the supernatural resourcing of our God. I actually don't believe God intends us to function in a way that we can earn our comfortable parameters. I think God wants to stretch us. God wants to challenge us. Again, the illustration of the pilgrimage. It's, it's when you do that that you discover your, the, the supernatural resourcing of God as God helps you get through it amazingly in, in a place he, he provides resource for you. And he provides his resource for us because without that, we are going to get wiped out. But not only in that experience of God's so supernatural resourcing, do we discover God's faithfulness towards us? We also discover the reward of faithfulness. And the parable I want to look at this morning is taken from Matthew 25, which talks about the reward of faithful service. You'll know if you come along to walk through the Bible where we're exploring the different gospels at the moment, that Matthew's gospel is built around five sermons most famous one is in Matthew 5 called the Sermon on the Mount. But actually, there are five other sermons that happen. And in Matthew 23, we have the last of these sermons where Jesus starts to talk about the end and, and the future. And, and he explores all kinds of themes. And in, uh, towards the end of that sermon, he gives us a series of parables. And, and this parable of the talents is one of the most vivid of those stories that Jesus tells. Because he says, you have to understand what lies in your future so you can adapt your present. You know, one of the things that's very, very tempting when life is tough is to forget the future and just live in the present. I remember somebody saying that in the 1950s, people danced because there was hope. But in the 2000s, they danced because there was no hope. 
and, and, and the difference in the experience. And, and suddenly, when you have no sense of future, when you have no sense of hope, then you just live in the present. And, and that can lead to all kinds of escapist behaviors, but also unhealthy behaviors. Because you know something? There is a future. And Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that. And he wanted to understand that when we stand before God, we're going to have to give an account of how we have used our lives. And then the, 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 the vivid expression that we see towards those who use their talents and use them in the service of their master, and they hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's joy. And, and, and the, the, Jesus is saying, that is what we are called to. We are called to be faithful stewards. We're called to use our lives in ways that are reflective of the God that we serve. You see, Jesus wanted to communicate by telling this story that what we do matters. The master expects his servants to invest and multiply what they have been given. By the way, a free financial tip at the moment. It's a good time to put your money in the bank and save it <laughs> and, and uh, with interest rates. But he's saying you should be doing that. He, he says to the guy with one talent, you should have put it in the bank and at least got the interest on it. But you buried it. You know, one of the temptations that we have in our life is to think that what I do doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. You know, sometimes we, we think what I do doesn't matter because I'm too young. And, and, you know, who cares what a young person does? Or we think what I do doesn't matter because I'm too old. Who cares what an old person does? Sometimes we think it doesn't matter because we can't see it making actual any difference. You know, I'm sure we've all had the experience of pouring ourselves out and putting energies into something, and instead of the thing going forwards, it goes backwards. Have, I'm sure we've had that experience. Usually that's my experience when I try and fix something at home. It, it gets worse rather than better. And, and you kind of say, what's the point? What difference do I make in this? And what Jesus wants to tell his disciples that what you do matters. And, and, and that you have significance. And that how you use your life and your time and your energies has consequence. You see, Jesus warns about the dangers of idleness. The, the, the problem we have is when we think that what we do doesn't matter, or what, when we think that what we do won't change anything, or, or when we think that everything is hopeless, we enter into kind of a state where we just don't do anything. We, we enter into a kind of hedonistic state where we think, I'm just going to live in the moment and live for now, and I'm never going to work towards anything. I'm just going to enjoy life for the way it is at this moment. There's a whole philosophy out there that kind of teaches us this. And Jesus says that he doesn't expect that kind of attitude in those who call themselves his followers. 
He looks for faithfulness, diligence, and an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, in terms of gifts and ministries, sometimes we kind of weigh around and we think, well, I won't do anything unless I'm asked. Have you ever done that? So, you know, I'll get involved, but somebody has to ask me. And if nobody asks me, obviously they don't want me because I don't matter. So I'm just going to do nothing. Anybody been there? Read this story, how Jesus responds to the servant who says, well, I know you're a hard task, master. And therefore, I buried it and did nothing. And, and Jesus said, or the, the master says, sorry, I, you don't get this. You actually understood what I required, yet you did nothing. You, you see, Jesus is saying, we are called to have an entrepreneurial spirit. You, did you know, and, and, and I know it kind of works well. It's the pastor's job to find us things to do. It isn't the pastor's job to find you things to do. We'll try and help you. And you'll know, people used to say, oh, it's bad news if Alistair phones you up for a coffee because he wants you to do something. Uh, I've heard this. <laughs> Caused me to reflect. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's actually your job to find something to do. It's actually your job to say, I am a steward, and I have a desire to honor my master in how I spend my time and my energies and my gifts and how they are deployed. Your obligation. You know, Jesus is saying, and the reason it's your obligation is you need to understand that you will have to give an account of how you spend your life. I was just talking to someone that's come back from a, a nice holiday in Portugal. And not that I'm against holidays in Portugal. In fact, my wife has also just got back from a holiday in Portugal. I go to Iona on pilgrimage, and she goes to Portugal and lies on a beach. Not saying it's spiritual, but... <laughs> but, you know, when we stand before God, and it's like, so what did you do? Well, I had some great holidays. You know, I was really happy. My life was brilliant. I had this amazing life balance. Just brilliant. You know what? God's not interested. He wants to know, were you faithful to what I called you to do? And did you take the gifts and abilities that I gave you? Did you draw down on that supernatural resourcing of the Spirit to serve the purposes of the kingdom. You know, we're going to get asked that question, and Jesus wanted us to understand we're going to get asked that question, so it didn't come as a surprise. He wanted to warn us about the dangers of idleness. You see, Jesus tells this story so that we understand that unfaithfulness carries consequences. That a lack of faith, that a lack of initiative, that a willingness to take risks. Isn't it brilliant that, that we have a God who takes risks with people? We, we're very risk-averse in our society, but, but our God isn't risk-averse. And, and he, uh, he calls us into a place where we do these things. And when we don't do these things, when we are unfaithful, then it carries consequences, and it carries consequences for others. 
you know, again, I've used the illustration of the body, but when one part of the body doesn't function in the way it is called to function, it puts a strain on the rest of the body. And, and, and it, it becomes detrimental to others. And, uh, and so the body of Christ suffers. Uh, this morning, if, if uh, Shona wasn't faithful to her call to give me water, <laughs> when I get up here on Sunday mornings, I would suffer. You would suffer. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, there, there would be a consequence. And, and you're faithful. When we're faithful, when we lack faithfulness, then what happens is others suffer. Strains are put on parts of the body that shouldn't carry. And oftentimes, it, it becomes an overwhelming strain on the other parts of the body. But it also carries consequences for ourselves. We never discover the joy of faithfulness. You know, when I, I sat in that cathedral, my friend who isn't a Christian thought I was insane for what I did. But you know, I had a warm glow. I was wet, but I had a warm glow. And, and you know, like, what else were you doing? It was 9 o'clock at night. It was horrific. You had to battle as hard as you could. You were probably life-threatening at some point as you made that journey through the dark. And here you are in a service sitting dripping wet. How are you going to even enjoy this? You're so wet. And yet, there was a reward in faithfulness. You see, Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I believe Jesus doesn't teach that we do things for reward or fear of punishment. We don't do these things. We do things because we are good, because it is the right thing to do. It is the thing that we should do. We do things because we are called to be faithful and not successful, as we said a few weeks back. We do things because these are the things that God expects of his people, to be good and faithful. But you know what? When we are good, when we do things for the right reasons, and when we do things because we are being faithful to what God has called us to, there's reward. And you know what? When we don't do this, we don't get the reward. And then one of the, the, the strangest things, or maybe it isn't the strangest thing, but there are research institutes in uh, <laughs> there are research institutes in California that study happiness. And uh, they, they do all kinds of tests and questionnaires and all sorts of things. And they discovered that physical exercise makes you happy, which makes you feel better. But they discovered even more than physical exercise, altruism brings a sense of happiness. You know, when you choose to live for others, and when you do stuff for others, especially when there isn't necessarily any reward for that, you get to be happy. Isn't that weird? God's made us in that way. And you see, when we choose to live our life solely focused on ourselves, we lose the joy of altruism. But more than that, Jesus warns us there is an eternal consequence. Because he says that we will give an account. And that this life has to be accounted for in the next. I'm sure some of you love credit cards. I love credit cards. 
And, and nowadays, it's, it's so easy to use them, isn't it? You just go ahead and oh, get another coffee. You need credit card to get coffees now. And uh, you, you, know, you just go. And, and, and then at the end of the month, you get the bill. And you go, oh, okay. I wasn't quite expecting that. Uh, but my, my wife now has a, an app where she monitors my spending. So it's really sad, but like she's away on holiday and I might buy something. And then I get a text. <laughs> hmm. There's accountability here. <laughs> Joy of apps. But you know, there's an accountability, an eternal accountability. And what Jesus is saying is, you are going to have to give an account of this life. And when you give that an account, are you this life? And when you give that an account, are you going to say, I chose to do the right thing because it was the right thing? I chose to be faithful because you called me to be faithful. I chose these things. And here our God recognized these and said, well done. You made the right call. Are we going to hear God say, you know, why did you bury what I gave you? Well, nobody ever asked me. I didn't have anything to offer. I didn't matter. And here God say, you never understood the calling I placed on your life, the calling to use your life in the service of others and in the service of the kingdom. So, Jesus wants us to develop a mindset, a mindset of sureness and faithfulness. And the story, the, the, the moral of the story, the parable of the talents is that we are invited to identify our talents and consider how they can be used for God's kingdom. And I know some of you think, well, I haven't got any talents. I haven't got anything to offer. You know, if you're sitting there thinking that, ask someone. Ask someone. What do you think I have to offer? Do you see anything in me that... That, that I might have, and, and, and be open to what they say. Sometimes we think we've got one gift, some we don't. And, uh, and I, I, I once heard um, a, a speaker talk about sitting in an airport lounge and they, they, uh, to bide the time while they were waiting for the flights, there was a karaoke machine. And uh, the, this music was playing, people would get up and sing karaoke. And he said, this woman got up and he said she was wearing a dress that fitted her in a former life. And, uh, and she sung, I will survive, except she was one key off for the whole song. And it was horrendous. And everybody's looking at each other going, somebody needs to tell them. Yes. You know, sometimes we have that in a situation where people exercise gifts that they don't have. But you know what? If you don't know what your gifts and callings are, ask someone. Listen to what they say. And get your trusted friends around you and say, you know, what are they? Ask the pastor. He'll find you a job. Or she'll find you a job. You know, we have to develop an understanding of our gifts and talents. And then we need to say, how am I going to invest my time, my skills, and my resources in serving others and advancing God's purposes? This isn't, this isn't a wee incidental thing that we do. Okay, this isn't like, oh, well, maybe I'll get round to that at some point. This is an essential thing to do. 
This is what Jesus' parable is trying to communicate. You need to be asking yourself, if you haven't, how am I going to invest my time, my skills, my resources to serve others and to advance God's purposes? And it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or in between. You are called by God to service. And if there's anything I want you to take away from this series for six weeks, is the necessity of every single one of us going away and doing this. Because Jesus says, we will give an account. And I want to hear, and I hope you want to hear, our God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of your teaching, for its directness, for the way it brings conviction. Lord, help us in the light of this simple parable to review and reflect on our Christian service. Lord, I ask that you would help us all to identify our gifts and talents, identify the callings that you have placed on our lives, whether that's one-to-one in the background or whether that's up front ministering to everyone. And Lord, help us to see how we should invest our time and our skills and our resources in working for your kingdom and honoring our God. I ask this in your name. Amen.